good afternoon, or good evening, or even good morning, depending on when the 2.5 of you that are listening to this are listening to this. Um, even though we don't have youth tonight, it's July 3rd, uh, happy holidays, and I hope everyone's having a good weekend, but even though we don't have youth tonight, uh, I am going to go ahead and record a message like usual, because I want this series to have its full impact at least as much as I can do when one of the messages is over a podcast that, again, 2.5 people listen to. But um, I still have uh, hopes for this series, just like I do for every series, but it's called Marathon. And so this week, or this month, the reason I wanted to call it Marathon is because living for Christ, living as a Christian, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Now, that's an old saying. It's a cliche saying that you've probably heard before. But basically, what it means is most of the time, we kind of treat everything like a sprint, even if we know that it's long-term. So, uh, like in school, you have... Sorry, I know that's a bad word right now in the summer. But in school, when it starts again uh, fairly soon, in a month and a half or two months... No, a month and a half. Uh, so, when it starts again... Um, You'll have, say, a class that you're kind of excited about, or at least you're stressed about, or you just need to study for, whatever it is. And so you'll think about, well, this is when the final is. And so I have to, or the midterm, or whatever you guys do. And so I have to study for this. I need to have good grades before this. I want to major in this someday, whatever it is you're thinking. But instead of treating it like a marathon, most of the time, and myself included, we just focus on that first day by day, that first test, it's like, well, I got to study for this test. And then we kind of forget everything. And then it's like, well, I got to study for this test. And meanwhile, the studying is like an hour or two the night before the test. Um, and when, in fact, like, especially if it's in college or senior year or something where you're really working hard to figure out what you want to do in life, uh, it it's, should be more of a marathon where you're working over and over and over again. Now, I'm not saying go get one of those 26.2 stickers and put them on your Subaru or anything, but I'm saying uh, the Christian life is similar. We often treat it like a sprint. We think about the fact, well, I need to love God and I need to love others and I need to work at it and try to be better today than I was yesterday and try to treat people with respect and, and as I want to be treated and just keep growing and all of that. And we know that, but we still kind of run it as if, well, I messed up, I'm done. Or, well, I messed up, I'm going to keep messing up, and then I'll worry about it later. When in fact, it's you learn from your mistakes. You learn from when you fall down. You learn from that. And starting as a Christian, starting as a good person, starting as a student, whatever it is you start as, uh, but in terms of Christianity, starting in the faith does not mean you finish in the faith. And so in this series, I want to talk about the start and finish about of some uh, pretty famous biblical characters and just how they started versus how they finished. Uh, some of them started well and ended poorly. Some of them started poorly and ended well. Some of them started well and ended well. And, you know, in between it was kind of all over the place. But regardless, our lives are not based on one moment. They're not based on one mistake. They're not based on one thing that happened in our past. They're not based on even one success. It's a continuous trying to do better and trying to grow and trying to improve and trying to be more like Jesus. And so I want to start with King Saul. And before I read this, if you've heard of Saul, uh, and I would imagine many of you have, but if you have, most of us associate him with David. And we think about the time that uh, he literally tried to kill David just for killing Goliath, and because he got 
jealous and because he was envious and because he was afraid of losing his power. And we kind of focus on that. But here's the thing. He was also called to be king. Like God saw him and who he was. And he was a faithful, godly person. And he started out so well. So I want to go there. This is 1 Samuel 9, 14 through 24. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to get up to the place of worship. Uh, Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, and that's the man he sent, the Lord said, this is the man I told you about Uh, He will rule my people. So again, Saul was chosen by God. God saw something in him. He saw a life. And Saul had been living for God and living a good life in order to be seen like that. Like it wasn't like uh, in the NBA sometimes or in sports sometimes where it's like, yeah, this person, they were ranked high. I don't want to lose people with sports stuff. They were ranked high going into college. They didn't have a great college year, but they still had that ranking. And so maybe they've got talent in there. Or, man, they can really shoot, so maybe we can build around that. Or, hey, they play defense every once in a while, so that'll be new in the NBA or something. But what it is is God knew who he was, and he knew where his faith was, and he knew what he could be, and he saw that. Now, obviously, God also knew everything that was going to happen. But for Saul, uh, he had this chance. And so he had lived it. Uh, He had done his best. He started well. He had a good start on the marathon of life. And so Samuel goes to see him. And now we go to uh, the next verse. Just when Saul approached Samuel at the gateway, just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? Uh, I am the seer, Samuel replied, which is prophet of God. Go to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, uh, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe of Israel, and my family. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking uh, like this to me? So... First, I want to go with the donkey thing, because that that might be out of the blue if you don't know the context. Essentially, Saul's entire goal here was just to find the seer, find the prophet of God, so that he could find his family's um, possessions and kind of go on, because they needed it. Sorry, I'm at home doing this, and I had to walk over and pick Stevie up on the couch, because she can only jump when I'm not looking. Um, And so, uh, anyway, so he went to see Samuel for that. Uh, He found him, he talked to him. Uh, And so he expected something very different. He wasn't looking for uh, a reward. He wasn't looking for any, like, new donkeys. He was just looking for a way to continue his life and do the best he could. Now, his response is very, if you know anything about him, like I said before, and if you want to just jump to David and Goliath and read the Saul parts in that range and, and a little after... You're like, whoa, what in the world? How could he say this? Because he was very humble. Uh, This morning in church, I talked about humility and how it's not necessarily thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so he was very clearly like, hey, my family's nothing special. I'm nothing special. I'm just here to get help. Like, how in the world? Why would you say this to me? I can't do any of this. And he's not in like a doubtful way, but in a like, hey, I'm not 
like a big king guy. I'm just a person. Like, I'm just living for God. And that's the way we're supposed to be called. That's so awesome that he was doing that. And it makes his life that much more tragic that he had it in him, that he was living for God uh, at this time. And so we continue with the good parts of Saul. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and placed them at the head of the table, honoring them above the 30 special guests. Uh, Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul his finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought in the meat and placed it before Saul. Go ahead and eat it, Samuel said. I was saving it for you even before I invited you, invited these others. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. So for us, this would be kind of a cool thing. Um, be like, oh, wow, the best steak or the best hamburger or the best artichoke, whatever it is you eat. It's like, oh, this is cool. This is really good. I, I love this. Um, but it still wouldn't be something that's super abnormal. Like at some point in our life, we've had a really good meal or we've had a really good uh, uh, situation where it's like, oh, well, this is the best meal that I've ever had or this is the best meal at the restaurant or whatever. Like somebody has given this to us. We bought it. We've had good food experiences. At this time, you know, not everybody could even afford meat, much less the best cuts. So Saul going to the head of the table and eating this was probably, maybe not, but probably the first time he'd had a meal like this, the first time he'd been shown this level of honor and respect. And he's like, he's thinking, I don't, I don't deserve this. Like, this is really good and I love this, but man, what is happening? And this is who God chose. This is the man that would have been the best king. Um, the title for this week is Titles, Titles, Titles. And... The point of that is usually when someone begins to go into a situation of power, whether it's uh, elected or appointed or whatever, like nine times out of ten, uh, their intentions are fairly honorable. Like they want to make a difference. They want to help. People that are appointed king or appointed to whatever, like they, they want to do good most of the time. Now, obviously, there are things like Caligula and people that you could probably think of over the course of history that just took it and they wanted power and etc. But most of the time they go into things like, hey, you know, I want to make a difference. Um, going into politics for a second, regardless of where you stand, regardless of how you vote, if you vote, although most of you probably don't, but hopefully you do when you're 18. Um, most people, like we, we vilify Congress and that's easy to do because they allow it to happen since they give themselves raise and raises and etc. etc. Like I, I don't need to sit here and talk about what Congress does. But most of the people that started in that in those positions, like they ran for office because someone said to them, hey, you could do a good job, or they saw something that was missing, or like, hey, I could offer this. Now, not everybody, but most of the people did that. Now, over time, and I'm not going to get into personal people because I don't know everyone's personal lives there, but over time, uh, people giving them money or wanting to get elected, re-elected over actually helping, like all of those things can take into a, a, account and, and affect people's lives. Um, so Saul, at this point, he just is like, he's not even to the point where he wants to do good. No, he wants to do good, but he's like, somebody else could be better. And that's, the, again, the humility that we need to have as Christians, not, you know, I suck and, and I can't do anything, uh, but hey, God can use me, but without him, I'm nothing. And, and that's the type of thing that Saul had. That's what he's going for. That's what Samuel saw. That's what was amazing here. And so he goes through his kingship and he started out pretty good. Like he started out doing the right thing. He followed God. And then uh, we're going to get to a moment and again, I've mentioned this a few times, but this is after David and Goliath. And so this is jumping ahead to 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 11. 
when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, uh, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced with joy, uh, danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Uh, now, at this point, now before I continue, at this point, Saul is thinking, yeah, we won. I saw something in this David kid, and now I'm going to put him under my wing, and, and I'm really going to raise him to, to be my right-hand man, and I'm so awesome. Like, I did so much to help. And and it's not necessarily, I mean, it's not a great thing, but he's not super done anything wrong at this point. Uh, maybe been a little prideful at times, but by now, he's just kind of like, hey, uh, these people are coming up to celebrate us. We won. That's awesome. And so he's excited. And the song is, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And that's where the hammer drops. Uh, this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next thing, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So you see, he's all cool. And he he could have been like, hey, you know what? I'm the coach that saw something in David. Like I'm the person who drafted Steph Curry instead of like the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves who uh, ignored him twice. Or I'm the person who uh, found Stephen King uh, writing and like, hey, you have something, kid. Or I'm the person who was reading Hamlet and like, hey, Shakespeare, you know, you should really do this for a living or whatever it is. Like those are obviously ridiculous examples, but he could be like, I'm the person who found David. Nobody else was giving him a chance. I gave him a chance. He succeeded. Now we, together we won. And yet, as soon as he realized that David was being put above him, and that's a natural human reaction, um, back to sports for just a second, and I'm not going to go like a super deep example, but when a team wins, most of the time, the star player gets the credit, uh, not the coach. Now, sometimes there are examples where the coach really has built a long uh, history of winning, and so they get talked about. But most of the time, it's the star player that gets the credit, even if coaching wins. And coaches, you know, most coaches deal with that. They're like, hey, we won. I don't care. I've got a championship ring. And so Saul should, like the old Saul, the Saul that was chosen to be king, that's what he would have done. Because he's like, man, you know, I knew that somebody was better than me at this, and here he is. This is so cool. Like, I've done my best to lead him along. And that's what we're supposed to do. Um, one of the things that that happens in, in life is even if we don't have big egos, and, and you know, I don't think anybody that I know, soup, like in, in the youth group, definitely doesn't have a big ego. I don't, for sure. But even if we don't have big egos, uh, even if we're not prideful, even if we don't super get jealous, like sometimes if we do something and someone else does the same thing or something better or even something worse and they get credit and we don't, we have that moment of, whoa, wait a second. Don't you see what I just did? Or didn't you know what I just did? And yet we move on from it. It's like, well, you know, whatever, next time, or they deserve it, or just I'm going to ignore it, or whatever. Like, we, most of us have that healthy outlook. For Saul, the Saul that was chosen to be king, he would have been like, yeah, hey, David, that's awesome. You know, hey, you know, maybe drop that song, but come on, David, let's go talk about how we can build on this. Let's go talk about what you can do for the kingdom. Let's go just learn together. Let's go praise God something. And yet he had had... Uh, his power for so long and the glory and the fame and the riches and everything that went with it that it's like, well, this is, I like this. I don't want to lose this. And so he immediately, and you know, he yells out, sometimes we uh, jokingly say our worst fear. And so he jokingly, well, kind of jokingly, uh, 
kind of throws out what this guy's going to be king now. But in his heart, he's already thinking like, oh, this guy's going to be king now and I'm going to lose it. Whereas, again, old Saul, original Saul, uh, before new Saul would have been like, oh, well, you know what? I shouldn't have been king anyway. Like I did my best and that's it. And so maybe David can do a good job and I can be his advisor. But he's so full of himself by now. Uh, He's smelling himself. He's so uh, addicted to everything that comes with being a king. He wants the fame. He wants the songs. He wants the money, obviously. He wants all of this more so than he wants to serve God. And so again, and I pointed this out like 17 times already, Old Saul was very different, like young Saul, I guess, but original Saul was very different. He was very much like, hey, God first and my family and I'll do what I can. And now he's like, hey, me first and then we'll see what else happens. And that's what can happen if we're not careful. I don't want this to be like, oh, hey, man, you know what? I've got to be, uh, I've got to be, I can't have anything for myself or I can't have a good job or I can't have, none of that's true. You can. Uh, You can even have fame. Like it's all possible to be uh, famous and a strong Christian. Um, I use C.S. Lewis a lot. I use Mr. Rogers a lot. I've mentioned Billy Graham. Like all of them had a pretty high level of fame. Like everybody in the world knows who Mr. Rogers is, but he still did good with it. Like I'm, I'm sure he wasn't like the richest person in the world, but I'm also sure he's fairly, he was fairly comfortable financially for everything that he did. Uh, now he worked for public access and he gave a lot of money away, but still he had enough money to live that he was never really worrying. Uh, Same for the other people, like Billy Graham, amazing pastor, and some of you guys probably don't super know him, but you've heard of him. Like, he was one of the types of people, like Mr. Rogers, where you could point a spotlight on their life, and you're not going to find anything where they're hypocritical or have done anything bad. Uh, But he was still, you know, he was financially secure because the books he wrote. Now, he gave a lot of money to the church and gave a lot of money to charity, but he still had a lot left. And so it didn't change him. So it's possible to have all of that stuff. It's possible to be the best student. It's possible to be the best athlete, to be the best band player and, and, and to be popular, to be rich, to be all of that. It's possible to be all of that and not, you know only care about yourself. But Saul shows us that it's also possible to do the opposite. It's also possible to let that stuff corrupt us. One of the things I talk about a lot is building your life around Christ first and then letting everything else, you know, come into place later. The second that we start thinking, well, you know what, I can do this on my own or, you know, I've already arrived, like that's bad. Uh, Because once we start only believing in ourselves, then we don't believe in anything else. And it probably starts for most people, and I would imagine even Saul, like, yeah, you know what? I still love God, and I'm still praying, and I'm still going to church, and I'm still worshiping Him, and I'm still trying my best, but I'm pretty cool. And so I'm going to take this money, and I don't need to do this, or I don't need to do that. And it, little by little, uh, goes to, ah, you know what? I deserve this. And then I'll give God what's left. And then it's like, uh, God who? And so that's how his life went because he didn't see it as a marathon. Uh, Again, he started out that way, but by now he's just not. And so I want to read the last part of the scripture and then I'll wrap up. Uh, The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. Uh, David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. So, up until that point, even thinking, whoa, this sucks, like why is they singing about David and not me, and this David kid, he he better get out of here because I don't like him, like that's... You know, obviously not great, but you can come back from that, and that's not the worst thing in the world, and people have those moments. One of the things I've said a lot is, uh, in terms of thoughts, in terms of what we think, you can't control the bird landing on your head. You can't control 
uh, like it just like like a, a dove or a vulture i guess a vulture would be kind of freaky so i'll go with something else like a, a bluebird or a crow or something like just landing on your head like you can't control that because it's a bird it, it does what it wants now if you let it stay there and start laying eggs and building a nest that's on you and so with thoughts it's like you're gonna think uh egotistical things from prideful things from now from every once in a while like sometimes you're gonna something's gonna happen you're like what about me or i deserve this it it happens you're gonna think something mean about people from time to time It, it, it happens it's a natural inclination um you're gonna meet somebody and you're gonna have like some kind of judgment just initially that's all natural but to let it continue and to let that override everything else and to not let whatever fix it and to not realize hey this is a bad thought i need to move on from that that is then on you and so saul he had the thought like hey this sucks i should be the king like i'm the king i should be the hero that's fine like we all have thought that from one time or another and yet once he and this sounds stupid but once he started yelling and tried to kill david that's where it got bad and so that's where he allowed the thoughts to roost that's where the egg started landing started uh, hatching in his head. Like, that's where the evil really came. That's where he changed. That's where he stopped being a man after God's own heart, like David was. That's where he started believing in himself more than anything else, and that's where everything (coughs) super went wrong. Now, he was on that path for a while. Like, there were little things, and and, uh, it was building and building, and he was allowing it to happen and go unchecked. But it was at that moment, really, that he really started to change. And it's like, hey, uh, I think we kind of missed miss this sometimes but it says david escaped him twice so that means david was like okay maybe he was just trying to maybe he's just having a fit maybe he's just trying to show me something the spear didn't hit me and so you know he's like i'm gonna see what's happening maybe he tried to talk to saul maybe he's like whoa did you mean to do that and then it says he escaped him twice which means saul tried something else maybe not throw another spear but he tried something else and so that is saul not learning from his bad decision. That's Saul saying, hey, you know what? I tried this twice. I'm going to try it a second time. Like, I'm still angry. I still hate him. I deserve this. And the whole point of this series is you're going to have moments where you mess up. You really are. Like, you're going to, even if you've started your life in the church and you've lived as a Christian for a long time and you've done your best over and over and over again and you you, you just do everything you can to to love other people. You do everything you can to love God. You're doing your best. You're going to have moments where you screw up. You're going to have moments where you have that anger or that pride or something. You may even have moments where you do something that you regret. And that is a natural thing because everybody has sinned. Now, I say this before, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. That does not mean that we live our lives thinking, well, I'm going to have these moments. Jeff said that so I can do what I want, and then I'll worry about it after. No, we live our lives trying not to, like doing our very best to not mess up, to not sin. That's our goal, like is to try our best. But as humans, even trying our best, sometimes we're going to. And in those moments, we really find out who we are and where we are in the marathon. Because in a marathon, and I'm not a huge runner because I think it's stupid unless something's chasing you, but in a marathon, uh, you don't sprint the whole time, and there are probably times, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine over the history of time, like there's probably times where somebody has even fallen down during a race and still come back and, and finished well or even won, or, or they've had a bad lap, or not a lap, they've had a bad quarter mile or whatever it is you do, or they've had a, a bad situation or something happened where they had to stop or something, and it's like, well, that's it, but they kept going and going and going. And that's how we win. That's how we finish the race. That's how we do our best. And so you're going to have those moments of failure. 
And it's just what you do because everyone has those moments. But you have to show yourself grace. You have to understand, hey, you know what? I did my best and I did. I can't believe I did this, but I did. Like, I really regret it. Please forgive me. Help me to learn from it. And then you go forward. Now, Saul, even after that spear where he tried to kill him, he could have been like, whoa, I've let this get way out of control. Like, I was pretty cocky and egotistical, and, you know, I was getting really prideful. And, David, I was so mad at you, and I just tried to kill you, and, you know, my bad. But forgive me. And I've said this with other people, but he was the king. And so what's David going to do? He's going to be like, uh, yeah, cool. Don't do it again, please. Uh, and everybody else is going to be like, wow, the king, you know, he screwed up, but he owned it at least because he's the king. Like, it's not like you or me going to do something in the same, like trying to kill somebody and then being like, hey, forgive me. Now, don't try to kill anybody. Uh, but there are going to be more consequences. For the king, there's not even really consequences. And so he could have stopped after that spear and been like, whoa, whoa, Saul, what are you doing? Uh, I need to go talk to Samuel. Or, or, and he was dead, but I need to go do this. Uh, I need to go talk to God. Like, I really need to to talk to David. I need to, to fix this. I need to change. I need to realize. And then it would have still been okay. Like, it still would have been him because that's the marathon. And he would have kept running. He would have kept going forward. But what he did was double it. And then he tripled it. And then he kept going. And the rest of his life was living in anger towards David. And he never stopped and said, hey, forgive me, God. And, you know, spoiler alert, but the end of his life, he died as an enemy of God. Uh, and so this is someone who started chosen by God to be a king, not just chosen by God to to uh, do something cool or to do one event or to build an art. No, all of those things are obviously important and good, but to be a king, to actually lead the people, to have a historically important role. He was chosen by God. And so instead of being like, hey, I could do better, I'm sorry, he's like, whatever, I do what I want. And his life kept going in that turn because what we do is we always think, I'll fix it later, or I'll do better later, or I'll try this later, or I'll be a Christian later, and later, 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 and it keeps going and going and going, and like Saul, man, we just fall off the marathon track, and I know I don't know much about racing, but we we just kind of stop running the race, and we start running our own race, and in reality, David is a good example, and I, I don't think I use him in this series, but he's a good example of the right way to do it. Now, he screwed up big time. And so he saw what Saul became and still kind of became that, but he's like, whoa, I've gone way too far. And so he changed. He uh, fixed his course and he got better and he finished the marathon the way that we should. And so that's the point of this series is it's never too late as long as you're still alive, as long as you have hope, as long as you're here. It's never too late to fix things, to change things, because you're not going to be perfect. But God is, and so he will love you, and he will be with you, and he will help you. And so learn from Saul. It's okay to learn from other people's examples, even dead people's examples. And so learn from him. Learn from the fact that you're going to have moments where you feel like you deserve more than you've got, or you're going to have moments where you feel prideful or anger or whatever else. But stop there, catch yourself, and, and do better, and grow from it. And if you do fail, then instead of giving up, or instead of just doubling it and doing worse, say, okay, I can learn from this. And more than that, I can teach others from this, and I can do better, and I can try, because in the end, that's all we can do, is try our best, trust God, and do everything we can to follow Him and run the race for Him. And that's all I got.